Well, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you so much for taking the time and the opportunity to come and worship Almighty God today. We have had a wonderful weekend with Dr. Jeff Orge and his wife, Ann. They have spoken in different settings and different events, and I tell you, they have communicated well, succinctly, to the point, and sure have gotten a lot of good golden nuggets. And we certainly appreciate that, and we know that today, this morning, Dr. Orge will hit it out of the park again, and we look forward to that. I won't share any more information about them. You've known their, uh, uh, their biographies and uh, all that information. <laughs> well, we did talk a little bit about that in the interview process, or maybe that was our discussion last night. I can't remember, Jeff, but it has been a great weekend, and thank you for taking the time to come. This morning, um, I looked uh, at my news feed, and uh, somewhere between 15 and 17 missionaries and their families in Hades have been taken and kidnapped. And this morning, we want to spend some time praying specifically for them. Their safety, um, praying that God would divinely intervene and also would um, help that nation that is such in such disarray. So if you would join with me, we're going to pray for our service. We're going to look forward to uh, the opportunities to sing songs of praise, to hear what God's message has for us. And in the midst of all of that, praying for our missionaries around the world who are in difficult places and always, always vulnerable to this kind of thing. We need to lift them up and lift up Almighty God today. So join me if you would. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come and to sing songs like How Great Thou Art. And God, we affirm that you are great. We know it because not only your word states it as absolute truth, but Father, we know it by our personal experience. For many of us here in this, this worship service have a personal relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And he transformed our lives. And so, Father, with joy and gladness, we sing songs of the faith to give you honor and praise and glory. And, Father, we take on those words of the songs and the words spoken from your word and the testimonies given as encouragement and challenges to look forward to this week and what we can do to communicate the gospel of Christ, but also all come alongside people with compassion and care. God, I pray that you will help us we come to this concluding time of pathways to peace in the present. And Dr. Orr speaks about peace of mind. God, we would hear what your spirit has to say. Honestly, hear and apply. Father, right now we pray for the missionaries and their families who were taken and kidnapped last night. We pray that you will protect them and that God, you would give them strength and courage in the midst of darkness. And that somehow you would use this to further the very mission that they went on, and that is to communicate Christ and to help people. And how they represent within our own Southern Baptist Convention more than 3,700 international missionaries and over 5,000 North American missionaries. And God, every one of them sacrificing so much I thank you that our church prays for them and Father holds the ropes with 
our cooperative program giving and our Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong giving that God, we would be able to help in that way. Lord, we also ask you to provide a smooth path, a passage through every single dark situation they come across. And in particular, for these missionaries in Haiti, we pray that they would be freed. God, you are holy. You are great. And you have shown your unconditional, compassionate love and care for us. And humbly, we thank you. And this morning,
Philippians 4, if I might take just a moment and say thank you for inviting my wife and I to come and spend this weekend with you. Uh, this is not my first time to be at your church, and I hope it won't be my last. I really enjoy coming here, and uh, the fellowship that the church enjoys, the mission focus that you have, uh, my friend who's your pastor, it's been a good time for us to not only minister to you, but to be rejuvenated by the experience, so thank you. And thank you also for your long-time support of Golden Gate, now Gateway Seminary. Uh, some of you have been our students over the years, and even our graduates. Some of you have taught on our faculty at different times. You have given to us through the cooperative program, you have prayed for us, and you have sent us your children and grandchildren as students. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of you for what you've meant to our school over these years. This weekend, we focused on the theme of peace. Friday evening, I spoke on peace in the chaos, meaning what it's like to find peace in the cultural context we find ourselves these days. And this morning in the Bible teaching time, I taught on peace in relationships and laid out some practical instruction from Scripture about how to maintain peace in relationships, particularly the ones closest to us in our families, in our churches, in our close community. But now, in this third message, we focus on this idea, peace of mind. Because while we have conflict in our culture and tension in our relationships, let's get honest. For most of us, the greatest turmoil we face daily happens. Scripture speaks to us about simple, practical 
workable steps we can take to find peace of mind. First, the text says that simple prayer reduces anxiety. It says it in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. This means that almost any circumstance can create anxiety. Don't worry about anything because almost everything can be a source of worry. I went through a particularly challenging time at the seminary and was transparent and told them how I was a world-class worrier. Could get the gold medal if it was an Olympic sport. Our IT department took it upon themselves to help institutionalize that message and that memory, and they created a screensaver, which is on my laptop. It's a man with his head down. And the caption says, be anxious for everything. <laughs> and under it, like a scripture verse, it says, hesitations for six. They're using this passage, don't worry about anything, to create a screensaver for me that says, be anxious about everything, hesitations 4.6 rather than Philippians 4.6. And I see that thing pop up on my screen from time to time, and I'm reminded not to do what my screensaver says, but instead to do what the Bible says. Don't worry about anything. But, and here's the counsel. With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's a simple instruction. Don't worry. Pray. Do you remember a silly song 20 years ago? Don't worry. Oh, you do remember. It was the head bob that got you going, wasn't it? Well, the Bible doesn't give us innocuous instructions like don't worry, be happy, but it does say quite simply, don't worry, what? Pray. Just that simple. And when you do, what do you get? Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guards is a military word. It means to stand watch, to hold your post, stay on guard. Now, let's put all this together in some simple application. This text teaches, when you are worried, pray. Now, here's what I've learned about myself in this regard. I sometimes... Equate worrying over something with praying about it. And they are not the same thing. Worrying over something is like a dog gnawing on a bone. You just can't let it go. It's in your mind. And you're going over and over and over and over and over. And you're thinking about it. And you're considering your options. And you're strategizing what you'd like to say. And oh, what you wish you'd say. And it's going around and around and around. And you're worrying about it. And you think, well, because it's preoccupied my mind, I must be praying about it. 
It says, peace will guard your hearts. God, like a sentinel, like a military watchman, like one posted through the night, will guard your In the earlier session, I shared about a particularly difficult time in the seminary where for month after month after month, I was unable to sleep through the night because I was so consumed with the worry, the difficulty, the stress of the situation. I know this to be true because one morning I had slept through the night and I said to Ann, I slept through the night and she said, that's the first time in a long time. One of the things that helped me to get through start sleeping through the night again was putting this verse into action this way. I started praying this prayer. I would say when I laid down at night, I would say this prayer, God, I need sleep now. And if you'll take the night watch, I'll pick it back up in the morning. I didn't mean I'd pick up my worries in the morning. I meant I'd pick up my responsibilities in the morning because in the morning when I woke, I was still going to be find peace of mind is through simple prayer that reduces anxiety, restores your peace, and allows God to take the night watch. Second, second principle in this text is that healthy thinking replaces worry. Drop down to verse 8. The Bible says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and then he lists several things, honorable, just, pure, lovely, So the verse is saying, 
After you've prayed about something, I want you to change the way you think about it. When you're dwelling, meditating, mulling, pondering on this issue, I want you to think true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable and morally excellent thoughts about this matter. In other words, healthy thinking really does have the capacity to replace worry. This means, by very simple application, that you must control the thoughts or the information that you intake, particularly about the issues that concern you. You must control what your mind dwells on. Now, I'm going to get really specific here in a very practical way. A few years ago, about almost three years, I stopped watching cable news. Now that doesn't mean I don't turn it on occasionally when something really newsworthy is happening in our world. And it doesn't mean I've cut myself off from news sources. I use uh, my electronic tools to make sure that I receive a news feed every day which has major headlines from major newspapers and uh, television and other news sources around the world gathered together and given to me so I can read through them quickly, pick out the ones that are truly consequential, and take that information in. Now, you may not need to go quite that far, but I found that when I spend all of my time being pumped full of information that isn't healthy, wholesome, right, or even accurate, it, paint, it changes the way I think about life. And so I want to be informed, yes, about what's going on in our world, but I don't want to be immersed in information that's going to only create greater anxiety for me because of what's being given to me in that media. I've taken another step. And that is I've made some choices to limit the negative commentary I listen to from so-called friends. Do you have any friends like this who are constantly negative about everything? I've moved on from people like that. And when I have to be around them, I make sure I move on as quickly as I can to something that is much more positive in terms of input into my life. The Bible says, think about what's true and honorable and just and lovely and pure and commendable. Not what is negative, evil, despicable, confusing, or troublesome. And so I've made some choices about what I take in in terms of the thoughts that enter my mind on a daily basis from both media and friends so that I am shaped more toward what the Bible tells me to do than I am what the culture and my so-called friends are trying to get me to think. You can also make some choices to fill your mind with healthy thoughts. How do you do that? Well, I think the first and primary way is to fill your mind daily with the Word of God. Are you in the habit of reading the Bible every day? I started that habit when I was about 17 years old. I haven't read the Bible every day all of my life, but I've read it most days. I get up in the morning, read a couple of chapters, pray over that, and ask God to put that into my life. If you do that for one day, it doesn't make
plus years, it starts to matter. You following me? Take the word of God in day by day by day. It changes the way you think. Another thing you can do to change the way you think about your, or the kinds of thoughts that are in your mind, again, is to get around healthy people who are living positive lives. You find that a lot here at church. Now you say, well, I've got a few church members that are on that negative side. Well, we're working with them. That's why they're here. So that God can help them and grow them and shape them and give them a better perspective. I'm going to get to that in just a minute and you're rolling that. But for now, you can intake more positive thoughts by the Bible. You can intake more positive thoughts by the people around you, particularly here at church and in locations like this. You can also intake more positive thoughts by the kind of music you listen to, the kind of entertainment you participate in, the kind of other uh, news sources that you allow to bring into your life information. Look, the, the Bible is just so practical, isn't it? It says if you want to get peace of mind, pray about it. And then second, finally, the Bible says, I'll say second, it says finally, but it's saying build on that, build on prayer by changing the information you intake into your mind and the thoughts that you mull, dwell, ponder, and think about all day long. Change the way you think. Now, there's one more way. There's one more way. And that is, you can also have peace of mind by encouraging people or encouraging friends to restore your peace. Look at verse 9. It says, do what you learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. Paul reminded other believers of his example. He said, what you learned and received and heard and have seen in me. I want you to follow my example. I want you to be encouraged by that. He said, follow my example, verse 9. Do what you've seen me do. And then when that happens, peace is going to come to Someone who had no clue said to you, well, I know what you're going through. <coughs> you know how hollow that sounds. But you also know how powerful it is when you're going through something really hard. And someone who really has been through that comes alongside you and says, I've been there. And you're going to make it. You've experienced the death of a child. 
But if someone comes alongside you who's had the same experience and they say, I've been there, you're going to make it. Here's how I make it. I'm going to stand with you until you get well, get through it, until you come through. Doesn't that just cause you to just sort of have an energy surge inside of you and you just know, I may make it now because somebody's with me in this? Your spouse dies, same thing. You get that cancer diagnosis, same thing. You know what I mean. Paul is saying this in the text. Look, he said, watch me. Watch me close. And do what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Because the things I've been through, what had he been through? Well, let me remember a little bit about the man who wrote this. I mean, he had been shipwrecked. He'd been thrown in jail. He'd been beaten and dragged out of at least one town and left for dead. He had been through so many experiences. So much turmoil. So much difficulty. So many challenges. And yet here he is writing about peace of mind and peace of God and peace in circumstances and peace in challenges. And he's saying to these Philippians, look, if you're struggling, remember what I've been through? Remember what I've been through. And let that encourage you because in this letter I'm writing you, I'm coming alongside of you and I'm saying, God will give you peace. He's given me peace and with all I've been through, I can assure you I've needed it and now I'm telling you, he will give you peace as well. That's why it's so important that you have the humility and the transparency to connect yourself to a church like this and share with this church your life and let them share their lives with you because you need the strength of other people to give you the peace of mind to make it through the chaos and difficulty you're living in. We need each other. We really do. This means that you can draw strength from your church family and from other friends who've been through similar kinds of experiences, who've struggled with similar kinds of difficulties, and who come alongside of you and say, we're going to make it. You know, one of the most rewarding things about working at Gateway Seminary over these years has been the vice presidents that I've been able to work with. They've been not only leaders with me, but they've become friends, colleagues, supporters, Christian brothers. You know, when you're in a church like this, deacons come together like that. Sunday school classes come together like that. Women's fellowship groups, men's groups. Look, when you work closely, live closely, share life closely with a group of men or women, you get that knitted relationship going. And when trouble comes, you just naturally draw strength from each other in those moments. Something energizing, something infilling, something sustaining that keeps you coming. Now, this also means that you're responsible to be a giver in these relationships as well. That means that you have an obligation to share your life with other. 
know, I can see your struggle. I've been there. Can I help you? Can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do to help you get through this in a practical way? What do you need from me? Does that make sense to you this morning? You can do that, right? Just that quiet word. So in this last part of the message, Paul is saying this. You want peace of mind? You get it through the encouragement of other people who've had some experiences and who've come through and who can say to you, follow me. I made it, so will you. And then you can be one of those people who says, I see you're hurting. I see you're struggling. I see you're worrying. I see you've lost that peace of mind. Let me come alongside you. text of scripture says there's some simple resources available to you this morning. First, pray. Because simple prayer reduces anxiety. Second, change your thinking. Because healthy thinking reduces worry. And finally, find some encouraging friends and draw strength from those relationships. And oh, while you're at it, be one of those encouraging friends who makes a difference in the lives of people around you. Now this weekend we focused on peace from different perspectives. Perhaps Friday I said something to you that really connected and you want to make some kind of response about peace in chaos. Yesterday we addressed some different issues related to this about ministry and other issues that my wife and I talked about in different events. Then today we really honed in on peace in relationships and peace of mind. Now a weekend like this can just sort of be a warm moment. That's all right. Or it can be a time of real decision. Perhaps as a result of this weekend, you need to make a concrete decision. Say, I'm going to do something different because of what I've heard at this conference. I want to do something different in my personal life, in my church relationships, in my prayer life. I want to change the way I intake information or how much time I spend worrying or what I do before I go to bed at night in order to a prayer. There's something specific based on what I heard this weekend I want to commit to doing differently starting. If so, in just a moment, we're going to give you that opportunity to come and just make a prayer place here or talk with your pastor or just where you are, sit back down and say, Lord, this is my moment. I need to make this commitment. And then others of you today may have come for a different purpose. You'd like to talk with the pastor about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or maybe becoming a part of this church. Either of those kinds of decisions can be more than glad to receive you today. So I'd like to pray for you. Pastor Kennedy is going to come and lead us in a time of response where we can finalize and bring to a conclusion the commitments we need to make this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you've done in our lives over these three days in addressing us about the issue of peace. And Father, I thank you for 
Jeff has laid out the invitation and the response. I'd ask you to stand if you would. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. I will be here at the front. Any decisions that you need to make or come to the prayer altar, we'd encourage you, if you would, come and make those decisions. You come as God leads you. Go ahead and sit down if you would for just a moment. If you would, uh, Anne is back this direction. Jeff, would you guys just stand for a second? We'd like to say thank you so much for everything that you've done this week. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate the weekend and all that's been communicated. Uh, everything, if you missed any of the sessions, uh, they will be up on our website this week. Um, as we try to, to uh, capture each and every moment, and I hope that you'll take it and, and uh, listen to every single message and uh, communication because it's, uh, they're just good nuggets of gold put into our lives. Um, it is really good to, to have uh, Tom and Becky uh, Hickson right back here. Would you guys stand for just a second? I know you didn't come to me. These, these are... Tom was the, uh, at the Baptist Foundation of the Northwest Baptist Convention and then a vice president at Gateway Seminary and just recently retired, moved to the wrong place and moved to Prescott Valley instead of to Sun City West. <laughs> but we welcome you. Thank you so much for coming. I'm sure that you guys and Jeff and Ann have some catching up to do, but it's good to have you. I hope you had enjoyed your drive down. And we're seeing a whole bunch of our, uh, of our uh, Winter missionaries back, and it's so good to see some of you back right up front smiling, and uh, there will be more that will be coming, and we look forward to that as well. Uh, I felt to mention that if you're a guest today, and it's the very first time that you've been here, there's a, a guest card in the pew in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out before you leave today. Just drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave, 
uh, at every exit. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge your being with us today. We uh, uh, have a, uh, probably five of Dr. Orange's books right out this door where Carol is. Carol's got that red blazer on. Uh, and they are for sale there if you would like to take some home. Uh, they are excellent books. He's written nine over the years. Uh, and every one of them are like he's speaking to you like he has this weekend. It's very practical and just lays out things on the various topics. So I would encourage you to stop by uh, the desk and, uh, and uh, meet with Carol and talk with her about that. Um, Nancy, you've got some things to announce, I think, because Christmas is right around the corner, right? It is indeed. You may have seen earlier there are Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes in both lobbies, and you are encouraged to take one or more, as many as you would like. Instructions are inside the box, and we need those return filled by November 14th. So you've got a few weeks, but you will see them on the table in the Breezeway lobby as well as in the main lobby. <coughs> also, in the main lobby as well as in the Breezeway, you will find copies of the proposed 
Might be seen in our words, in our actions, in the living of our lives. 